Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. And we trust that as I bring the word to you, that God will minister to your hearts to help build you up and grow you in your faith. I'm excited uh, to be able to share the word, and I always consider it a privilege to share God's word with people. I always like to begin my messages with a joke. As Proverbs says, uh, humor works like a good medicine. And so uh, there's a story about a young teen who had just received his driver's permit. And he is pretty excited about this. So he met with his dad. His dad was a pastor. And now this isn't any of my sons, so just for the record. Anyway, um, the, his father sat him down because he said, Dad, you know, once I get my license, I want to have permission to drive the car. And the father uh, spoke with him and shared, well, uh, that will be possible under three conditions. First of all, I would like you to begin to develop a discipline of, of studying the Word of God, you know, and journaling the Bible, and be more committed uh, to the Scriptures. And secondly, I'd like you to bring your grades up from a C to a B. And then thirdly, I'd like you to cut your hair. And obviously, he had long hair. So um, this young teen, you know, he uh, listened and heard this, his father out. And then six months later, he passes his driver's exam. And his father meets with him because now it's time, possibly, to get the keys turned over so he can go out for a drive. Um, and the father uh, shares with the son. He said, you know, son, I'm very pleased to see that you have shown great discipline to spend more time in the Word. You're journaling the Bible. You're reading the Bible daily. You've even attended some Bible studies, which I'm very excited about. Secondly, I'm pleased to know that you have brought your grade level from a C to a B. Uh, that's outstanding. Uh, but um, you haven't cut your hair. That was the third condition I ask of you. Now, this young teen had prepared his argument. He said, well, Dad, I was, I was reading the scriptures. I seen that Samson had long hair, and he was a servant of God, and, and many of the Bible characters, including Jesus, had long hair. And so I don't see why that should be any reason why I can't um, have the keys to the car. And the father sat back and said, well, uh, you have to cut your hair. And if you notice, uh, Jesus and all these other people in the Bible, they walked wherever they went to, as you will. Anyway, so, well, are you ready for the word? Uh, before we get into the word, though, I have to make an important announcement. Uh, we want to congratulate uh, Jeff and Marissa Prentice, who have uh, become a mom and dad to their firstborn son, Smith Jeffrey, weighing seven pounds and six ounces. So uh, both uh, Jeff and Marissa are on staff here at Refuge, and we congratulate them as they enter parenting and parenthood. So we thank God for children and keep having kids as we uh, grow the church. It's one way to grow a church. Uh, and also I wanted to mention that we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer here at Refuge. Each year as a church, we uh, begin our year by consecrating ourselves with a corporate uh, time of prayer and fasting. And we do have prayer guides available for anyone that needs one, or we can direct you on our website or on our church app where you can find uh, the daily prayer focus 
uh, so that you can join and participate with us in this venture to really draw close to God and get direction and guidance for him for the year 2019. It's not too late to start and we encourage you to uh, participate at whatever level that you can. Uh, I believe that the desperate need of this age is for believers to pray. In fact, when the weakest believer falls upon his knees, uh, the devil trembles in fear. And how much more will a mature or developed or a believer that has matured in God, when they pray, how much more will the devil tremble? We, we just encourage you to, to really uh, make a commitment to seek God in prayer. Uh, there's a quote uh, by William Harney, who actually wrote a book entitled Praying Clear Through. This was publicized back in 1915. But I want to read this quote um, for you because he had great insights on prayer. And he stated, A person's experience is as rich and his faith as strong as his prayer life. We will never fail when we get the church on its knees. A prayer life is the Christian's force, the Christian's powerhouse. And the more we pray, the stronger we will be against evil and for the right. Again, that's a quote by William J. Harney, who wrote the book entitled Praying Clear Through. So our prayer focus for today is the church and our connection to the body of Christ. And each day we have a prayer focus in our 21 days of prayer. And the scripture for today's prayer focus is found in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. And it reads, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And so we want to take a moment and join our faith together as we pray, and as we renew our vision for what the church can and should be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word. We thank you for all those that are tuned in to this podcast, that you would minister truth to their hearts, that you would give them wisdom and understanding. Help them, Father, to comprehend the purpose and the plan that you have for their lives and help them grow. Help them find their place in the church to function and to serve your purpose for this generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are starting a brand new series today, and this series is entitled Build. And over the next three weeks, we are addressing building people. That's what we do in this message, relationships, and the church. So in this series, we'll be covering these aspects of building. Now, I believe that 2019 is a year to build. It's a year to grow. And I believe there's great expectation to build in 2019. That's a theme that God has given us at, here at Refuge for 2019. Psalms 45.1 declares, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. And we believe this is a noble theme as we begin this new year to seek God's purpose and serve his plan that he has for our lives. A key scripture passage for this series is found in Matthew 16, 18. And the second part of this verse we want to share with you. Uh, later uh, this month, we'll be uh, dissecting this passage more. But uh, today we just want to read the second portion, which states, and this is Jesus speaking, I will build my church 
and the gates, or we could say governments of hell, shall not prevail against it. So we see something very significant when we consider the word build. Jesus is building something, and it's called the church. And a church is something we're going to find out more about. But the church is the called out ones, people that have come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ to serve his purpose. Now, the word build um, means to construct or form something by putting parts or material together over a period of time. And so really, when we understand building, it's, it's an undertaking that requires participation. And Jesus is building his church, and that involves people. Uh, you may have heard it said uh, that we are the church. The church is not a building. The building is only the facility where the church comes to gather and meet, because the true church is made up of people like you and me. Now, building people is God's business. So when Jesus is building his church, he's, he's really talking about building people. Now, it's God's business, and it's also our business, because he includes and involves us in whatever he is doing. And that's something unique about what God does with his people. He involves us and includes us in what he's doing. And there's a scripture for that, which we find in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, which reads, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So we see here that God's working the field. We are not only worked on by God, but we are working with him to build others. So there is a unique participation, a unique partnership that we have to build with God, to build with Jesus. Now God is a builder, yet he employs us as a laborer. And that's really our calling. Our labor with him is, has to do with the calling of God upon our lives. So our labor is to build with him. He builds through us because you and I are the hands and the feet of Jesus. You know, so often people, they'll um, have issue with God, especially atheists. They'll say, if God is a God of love, why does he allow so much evil and so much corruption and so much bad things to happen? How, how come he's allowing people to die of starvation and hunger? It's because God always works through people. And God is wanting to work through us to do something about the, hung the hungry and the starving. He wants to do something through us to minister to stop evil and corruption in this world. So uh, you are part of what God is doing. He needs you and you need him. We see in Philippians 1.6, and this is a favorite passage of mine because it's very comforting and encouraging. Philippians 1.6, we, we see that God has begun a work in you, a good work. Philippians 1.6 reads, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So we need to be assured that this work that God has begun in us is going to continue. It's an ongoing work, and it will be complete when Jesus returns, when he comes back to this earth uh, for his people. And uh, we know that God is a God who is at work. And we see another passage of scripture along these lines in the next chapter of Philippians, chapter two, verses 12 and 13. And verse 12 reads, work out your 
own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, very often people can stumble at this verse because uh, we immediately would have to come to the conclusion, well, we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by God's grace and our faith in Jesus. But yet, God here, the scripture here says, work out your salvation. So this is talking about taking something from the inside that God has worked in us and work it external in our life so it can be displayed in how we speak and how we serve and how we live, how we conduct ourselves with others. And so that's the working out of your salvation, getting what God's done inside of us out. And verse 13 uh, confirms this, and it reads, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So realize that God is at work in you right now, at this moment, he's working in you. He's working in you his will, and he's working for his good pleasure. In other words, he wants to do something significant with your life, and we need to cooperate with that. We need to allow him to do that. Uh, so uh, I like to ask the question, how many of you work out? Well, working out is simply developing the potential that is already inside of you. You know, I may not have muscles that are developed because I haven't worked out a whole lot. My son-in-law, Andy, he's pretty buff, but he goes to the gym, he's working out. And so by working out, he's developed the potential so that what's inside of him could grow bigger muscles so that he's stronger. And you don't wanna mess with him. I, I like to th uh, think he's my bodyguard and if you wanna uh, mess with me, he's gonna take you out. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from there. So um, God is in the business of building people and he works from the inside out. Now, in order to build and to grow, we have a goal. And at Refuge, our goal is to have a working body. And we see a scripture, and we shared this with you last week. It's found in Ephesians 4.16. I want to read this from the English Standard Version. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now notice the phrase in that passage, each part is working properly. That's God's goal. That's our goal, is to see every member at Refuge working properly so that we can grow as a church, so that we can have a significant impact in this community and reaching those that have not found Christ in their hearts and lives. And so there is a I believe, and we see the last part of this uh, passage revealing the outcome of the church building itself up in love. I believe there's a worldwide epidemic of a shortage of love. Uh, who will show us his love? His kindness needs to be displayed to a lost and a dying world. And Jesus, in his prayer in John chapter 17, stated that the world would recognize and come to know Christ through the love they see in us. So um, until the world sees the love of God and the love of Christ in the church, they'll never come to know God and see him for who he really is. So we need to adopt, I believe, a builder mindset. I want you to embrace for a moment that you are a builder. Now, you may not have that as your occup occupational profession, but I want you to see this as a spiritual calling in your life.
you need to embrace the mindset of a builder. We see that the Apostle Paul certainly did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, he stated, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So here we see Paul identifying himself as a builder and the fact that as a skilled master builder, he laid a foundation. And apostolic ministry is foundational in helping to establish a foundation in people's lives of the truth of the word. Now, I want you to uh, even make this statement and confession over your life. Just declare, I am a builder. I am a builder. We are builders of people. And that's the focal point of this message this morning, building people. What are you doing to build others? Um, or are you too self-absorbed or self-focused to even consider doing something to build other people's lives? That needs to become a focus of our lives. As a builder, we cannot reject the cornerstone. We, we see in Mark chapter 12, verse 10, have you not read the scripture? The scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, builders here in this particular passage in Mark were in reference to the religious leaders of the day or the believers of the day. And Jesus addressed them as builders. And his um, uh, confrontation was, don't reject the cornerstone. And Jesus was referring to himself because we know that the religious leaders of the day rejected Jesus and eventually had him crucified on the cross. In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, we see Peter addressing this statement as well. He said, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. So we see this reference to us being builders in the scripture. So again, I'm building that case. Uh, see yourself as a builder because God sees you as a builder, a builder to build with him. Now, can you make a difference in someone's life? I want to share a little story about a little boy. Uh, one evening, he was, uh, they were on he was on vacation with his family, and he was walking on the beach, and he was tossing stranded starfish from the sandy beach back into the ocean. And there was an elderly man that came by, and he asked, well, what are you doing? Um, and, you know, this is kind of a, a useless effort since there's so many thousands of starfish that are stranded. And the boy responded to him. He said, you know, if these starfish don't get back into the ocean by morning, they'll be dead. And this elderly man said, you know, you're not going to really make a difference. And he picked up another starfish and he said, I'm making a difference in this starfish's life. And he threw it back in. He picked up another one. I'm making a difference in this one as well. And he continued to throw the starfish into the ocean. Now, we realize that you might not be able to save the whole world, but you can make a difference in someone's life. So who will you make a difference in today or tomorrow or this coming week? Think about that. So why are we here? As a church, I'd like to address it from this standpoint. Refuge is here for people. We are here for people. We exist for people. That's why we've taken on the tagline, we are a place for people. Uh, 
a place for people to find real answers, a place for hurting people, a place for healthy people, a place for the weak, a place for the strong, a place for the poor, a place for the rich. The church is to be a place for all people because people matter to God. All people matter to God. And so we can't show respect uh, to uh, uh, be a respected person towards anyone. We need to be able to receive and welcome people whom Jesus shed his blood for. So how do we build people? That's what we want to talk about in the remaining part of this message. Uh, I have a three-point message here, or three E's I want to share with you. Uh, builders do three things. I'm going to give you those three E's. We need to understand that a builder has an image of the finished structure. They can see the end result and uh, seeing the potential, seeing the outcome. Building in the natural can create a mess that requires cleanup. And uh, we've had a number of building projects around here over the years, and there's always going to be debris. There's always going to be a mess when you're in the process of building. So don't be afraid of that. Uh, don't run from that. Uh, sometimes dealing with people can be messy, but yet we need to be committed to building their lives. So, builders, number one, engage. That's the first E of the three E's. Builders engage. And it's really showing that you care. Uh, what are you doing to engage or interact with others? Or would you rather just mind your own business and ignore people? You know, so many times there's, there's people in need that people walk right by and just ignore their need. And yet we need to be responsive and begin to engage with people in need, engage with those we work with, our associations in the workplace, at school, or, or wherever. Uh, first, or actually 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, we see this, and this is for this first um, E, engage. 2 Corinthians 8, 18 says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. In order to engage, you have to have authentic, genuine love. A love that shows a genuine concern and care for others. Because people don't really care how much you know. They want to know that you care. And there's people that need a demonstration of the love of, of, the love of God. And that can be accomplished through your life as you show them his love. And one way we can engage is to value conversations, to give time and space to engage with people, to begin to understand their thoughts, their ideas, and their concerns. Because if people know that uh, you have a listening ear, uh, they're going to open up to you so that you can engage with them. Now, it's important to understand that early Christians didn't attend church. They were the church. They engaged with the culture. They engaged with the community around about them. Jesus didn't say, attend me. He said, follow me. And so a lot of times we think, well, if we can just get people to attend church, uh, that necessarily is not engaging with them. That's just getting them to, to attend. Church attendance won't drive engagement. Engagement will drive attendance. The more you engage with people, the more 
people will attend church. They want to come with you because of what they see in you. Church attendance doesn't equal engagement, but engagement almost always involves church attendance. Now, the more casual the attendance, because we have uh, every church has casual attenders. They'll come, they'll show up every now and then. Uh, but the more casual the attendance, the more casual the devotion. Infrequent attendance is often a sign of diluted devotion. And so I, ultimately we want to see people attend, but more importantly, we want to see them engage and be engaged, be welcomed when they come through the doors, where people are engaging them and, and showing them kindness and, and beginning to reach out and extend, you know, um, just kindness towards them so that they don't feel uh, uncomfortable or awkward because to visit a new church or to come to a church can often be uh, difficult and awkward for people. So if you want the church to grow, and I hope you want the church to grow, stop trying to attract people, start engaging them. Because I believe in the future, only the engaged will attend because only the engaged will remain. Because engagement connects people to the vision and mission of the church, the corporate body, so that we can serve the purpose of God together. Just showing up at church does not mean you're engaged in the mission. We can't build the future of the church with disengaged people. And so, uh, again, the first E is engage. If we're going to uh, build people, we need to be able to engage with them. The second E is encourage. And we see a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which reads, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So here we see a straight a command or instruction from the scripture to encourage. And this encouragement will result in the building up of one another. The encouraging word of others have helped me uh, be at the place where I am today. Um, through my lifetime, encouraging words have helped me uh, immensely. I would not be in the ministry today if Pastor Duncan, who pastored a church in Mountain Home, Idaho, would not have encouraged me. He encouraged me because he, see, he saw the potential in me and the calling upon my life. And his encouragement caused me to begin to seek out a Bible school, a Bible college to attend, to get training, so that at one day or one point in my life I could serve in the ministry. My mom is a great encourager, and if you've met her, uh, you know, you will know that immediately because she'll begin to encourage you. She's a world champion encourager, and even to this day, she's going to encourage me. And when I see her, when I visit her, she will always have an encouraging word. So what are you doing to encourage others? Uh, because we encourage or discourage others with our words. We need to understand that the word encouragement literally means to give courage to. To discourage means to take courage from. And so those are two important words. And very often you may be discouraging people because of your words or actions. So we need to be committed to build people with our words of encouragement. Ephesians 
It's a very important passage of the Bible that we need to consider. It reads, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, or for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, grace is God's favor, but it's also enablement. It enables people to succeed. It enables people to overcome the struggles they face. And we see in this passage that if the criteria of what you're speaking is not building up others, then it's corrupt. It's corrupting talk. And so we need to really consider that. And the scripture exhorts us not to let anything come out of our mouth that would be corrupting speech that would tear people down. Uh, one thing that the Lord actually dealt with me last year, he said, don't say anything about other people that I wouldn't say about them. Well, that brought conviction to me. Uh, and he also spoke to me, he said, don't say anything about yourself that I wouldn't say about you. Because we need to be encouraged ourselves just as others need to be encouraged. So be an encourager. Be one that will encourage others, not discourage them. The power of the tongue is very significant when we consider encouragement. You are either speaking words of life or death. We see Proverbs 18.21 states, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is very destructive or the tongue is very constructive depending how we're using it. So use your tongue to build and encourage others. The third E we see is equip. What are you doing to equip others? Equipping them to serve. And, and I'd like to share here that this really has to do with making disciples, which is a command that Jesus gave his disciples or gave us that we must do. In making disciples, we spend time with them to equip them. Now, if you join the military, uh, they will equip you for the battlefield. They'll give you what you need so that you can survive, so that you can conquer, so that you can accomplish the mission. And without the proper equipment, you'll be vulnerable to the enemy. We also need to equip others to give them what they need so they can be victorious in this life, to begin to help them understand um, what God's word says concerning um, what they need to succeed, you know, the spiritual disciplines that they need in their life, to help them to learn how to pray, uh, studying the Bible, uh, getting involved in small groups, engaging uh, in activities that can help them grow in their faith, and so that's all part of equipping. And so we're, we are equipped with God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 states, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So again, we see that uh, this equipping is essential when we receive the word of God. Acts 20 verse 32 states, and now I command, or now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up 
and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So here again we see that the word of God's grace, his word, is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. That's something you will receive as a result of receiving the word. As you are those who are sanctified, which means to be set apart for God's service and his purpose. In Acts 1.8, we also see that we're equipped with the Spirit of God. Acts 1.8 reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the Holy Spirit in being filled with the Spirit is part of being equipped. I'm thankful to my older brother who led me to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to receive the power of the Spirit in my life, which has equipped me in so many ways to serve the purpose of God. In closing, again, builders engage, number one. Builders encourage, number two. And builders equip, be a builder. A couple other supporting scriptures we see, uh, one in Romans 15:2. It says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. See, that has to become um, a focal point in our life. That needs to become a concern for us, not just to be concerned about ourselves, but about building others up as well. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. And this is a good striving, a sense of striving. We need to make it our passion and effort to build up the church. Next Sunday, when you come to church, come with the mindset, I'm coming to build up the church. I'm coming to build, help build people. See, so often we're coming with the mindset, oh, I just want to be ministered to. Well, next time come, I want to give myself to help building up the church or build up the church. We are on earth to minister to people. Jesus ministered to as many people as possible while he was on this earth. When he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, gave us the gifts of the Spirit, and the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts for all the purpose of reaching people, all of this for reaching people. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want you at this time to just consider that. Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? What can I do to change? Or what can I address in my walk with God that will make a positive difference. And I want you to, at this time, if you are listening to this podcast and you've not made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. First of all, realize that God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's madly in love with you. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus to die for you, that if you believe him, that if you receive him, you would receive the gift of eternal life. So we want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus. Uh, if you would, uh, just bow your head wherever you are, 
and pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. I acknowledge that without you I'm lost. Without Jesus, I have no hope. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And Heavenly Father, I also pray for those that have heard this message. Father, that you would help them to recognize the importance of the assignment of being a builder. Help them to see that they are a builder together with Christ. And help them, Father, to engage with others, to encourage others, and to equip others for the building up of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at We Are Refuge. Thank you.